hopefully you'll never need to go to the emergency room or the emergency department at Wyndham Hospital. But if you do, the people are there to take care of you. And one of those people joins me now, Dr. Thomas Gilmore from the ED at Wyndham Community Memorial Hospital. Doctor, good morning. Thank you for joining me for today. What's a typical day like for a doctor at the emergency room? I'm assuming every day is quite different. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. It um, is often um, uh, pretty exciting in the emergency department, and uh, you never know what you're going to walk into um, when you start a shift. Um, we see all types of emergencies. It's it's anyone can present. So you know, babies um, to to people with you know surgical problems, medical problems. They're they're all there, and uh, it can change minute to minute. You can have you know, several people showing up all at the same time. So you got to really be on your toes and ready, ready for anything. Is that one of the reasons that you picked the emergency field? The fact that it's every day a different challenge. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of us have a little bit of ADD as well. Um, you know, I I see it in myself. I, I see it in my son as well. That you know, I can be, you know, someone that kind of has to switch from task to task and, it, and ED providers are there's one study that shows can be interrupted every five minutes um, and if you're not ready to just kind of be able to switch from thing to thing it's not something you always thrive in and I think most of us you know that's what drew, drew us to it is that there's a lot of um, variety and you're kind of you know seeing something different and you're, you're moving from task to task really rapidly. How has the pandemic changed the role and the procedures that you see in the emergency department? Um, I think, as everyone knows, we're all wearing masks now. Um, I think when this all started, we were hoping that maybe at some point we could stop doing that, but we are still doing it. Um, you know, you, you wear your mask all day. Um, you wear a face shield now for patient interactions. Um, it, it affects how we bring patients back, you know, when there were really surges of volume, sometimes you even have to use hallways and that's very difficult with COVID because we really can't put people with COVID in the hallway. Um, and so we're just, you know, shifting patients in, in rooms, out of rooms. Um, and then I, I hope everyone can be patient with us if they were in a room and they were moved out, but sometimes it's just so we can put someone that might um, need that room or, have a risk of being infectious, but I mean, that's, that's some of the things that have changed, but it's changed everything. Have you been more crowded or had more of a traffic in the ED in the current Omicron spike? Uh, absolutely. Um, it, it has uh, cooled down as the, the incidence is starting to come down as far as the total volume. Um, we see 90 patients per day on average at Wyndham, and that was kind of the pre-pandemic pandemic average, and that's kind of what we were getting back up to. But during kind of the Omicron surge, uh, there were days, I think our maximum number of patients seen was 151, which was almost double the amount of patients we would normally see. And EDs across the state saw that. Um, a lot of that volume was due to people just actually showing up for tests because I think a lot of people can remember you couldn't get tests around Christmas time and, and there shortly thereafter. Um, and that has gotten, I think, a lot better. However, the hospital is very full, um, so now we have a lot of admitted patients staying in the ED, and that is also not unique to Wyndham, but happening all across the country and all across the state. So even though the volume has gone down, we're still um, quite tight for space, so it's still affecting us. 
I had to get tested four times between the week before Thanksgiving and the week before New Year's. And I have to admit, it never occurred to me, oh, I'll go to the emergency room and get tested for COVID. What's your message for people to have that thought? Um, I think that if, you know, you're not severely ill, there there is rec park. I think that at one point it was open six days a week and you don't need an appointment for that. So in Willimantic, that might be the best option. Um, but you can schedule appointments. E- even at Wyndham now, they are doing testing, but you have to schedule the appointment. Um, and then also pharmacies do testing as well as like a CVS or a Walgreens. You can do at-home testing. Um, I think everyone just has to understand that the antigen testing, that's the at-home swab yourself, is less accurate than the PCR testing. Um, it's closer to like the 70% range as far as you know it being positive. So you're really almost leaving a third, one, three chance you could still have covid on the table, but like 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 I said, there are many options to get tested before the emergency department. That's an important point. Now, if you do have COVID symptoms or tested positive, when do you go to the ER, and when should you not go? Um, I would say if your symptoms are very mild, especially if you're healthy, young and healthy, um, there's not many specific treatments for COVID. Um, and as I said, if you're young and healthy and your symptoms are mild, you wouldn't qualify for most of those. Um, so those were definitely situations where you would not go to the ED. Um, if you feel very breathless, you feel like you can't breathe, you pass out, you have severe chest pain, any severe symptoms, I would definitely go to the emergency department to be evaluated. Um, uh, but if you if you feel well and like you're healthy, it's probably, there's not much we could do other than supportive treatment, which is Tylenol Motrin, which you can also um, usually have in your own home. I asked the UConn men's basketball coach, Dan Hurley, who his whole family got COVID, and I said, how do they treat you? And he said, ibuprofen and vitamin C and D. And I'm thinking to myself, that's it? Is that what you have your people do when they come to the ED? Is that all we can do when it comes to people that are having symptoms, sometimes maybe more than mild, of COVID? Um, you know, some people have nausea vomiting, so if they come to the ED, we have other medications for that. If their symptoms are severe, we can give them IV fluids, and then there are specific treatments for COVID. Once again, if the symptoms are severe, people have a lot of um, past medical history. There are therapeutic antibodies. Sometimes we can refer them to, although those are still limited, um, these therapeutic antibody infusions. Um, Some of the previous versions are a little less effective for Omicron. We do have um, a therapeutic antibody. I think it's shown some evidence to help with Omicron. There's oral medications, but once again, those are very limited. That's the Paxlovid and the Molnupiravir. Um, but those are kind of being um, doled out by a centralized group of infectious disease doctors in Hartford Healthcare. Vitamin C, D, and zinc can be taken. Um, they haven't been proven to work, but most vitamins, if you take them as directed, and, not, and as directed, not super therapeutic doses, but just as directed, probably don't cause any harm. So, yeah, I would say some, you know, vitamin C, D, and zinc and Tylenol and Motrin are probably your best bet if you're just looking what you you can take and you don't need a prescription for. Do you get people asking, can you give me ivervectum or however you pronounce that? Yeah. So, you know, ivermectin is one of the treatments that, you know, it, it may work, but it is unstudied. And especially some of the things that people have been doing, like getting, um, you know, uh, dosing that's made for like horses and, and farm animals have been proven to be dangerous. So I would, you know, tell anyone that thinks that that's a good idea to not do that. Um, I want everyone to remember that 
at, at the moment it's being studied, at some point it may be a treatment. But at present, it is not a treatment. Um, you shouldn't be, you know, performing experiments on yourself by taking unproven medication. Um, they have trials for that to make sure things are safe um, for those people that enroll in those trials. And, and there's a there's a bunch of other, you know, medications that they are studying, but I would not recommend any of them. Um, I think everyone remembers chloroquine and azithromycin was a big treatment in the beginning, but it's been kind of disproven to be effective and just not to take things that could be dangerous, and that includes ivermectin at the moment. Dr. Thomas Gilmore with us from the Wyndham Hospital Emergency Department. Is this a new challenge for people in the medical field to diagnose the symptoms that people have? Because in many cases, when it comes to COVID, they're similar to other things, including the flu. Yeah, I, I think it's always been a challenge. Um, and, and presently, we're not doing a lot of flu testing because most of the uh, resources have been put into um, COVID. Um, you know, most viruses do get better with time and are supportive. I mean, same thing as we're doing for COVID, which is, you know, Tylenol, Motrin, sometimes medication to help with nausea and vomiting. Um, so, so in general, you know, viral infections are viral infections. Um, most of them pass with time, uh, but it does make things a little bit harder, um, uh, uh, you know, trying to figure out, is this COVID, is this not COVID, could this be something else? But I, I think that that problem has always existed within medicine. I asked if you have COVID, when do and when you don't go to the emergency room. What about in general, not COVID-specific? When should you go to the emergency room, and when should you not? Well, I would definitely say, uh, you know, certain symptoms, you're, if you tell your doctor you have them, they'll probably send you to the ED if, if they're severe enough to seek medical care, and that's usually chest pain and abdominal pain. Usually those are things that it's hard for a doctor's office to evaluate thoroughly. Um, anything that's like stroke symptoms, that's, you know, trouble speaking, uh, drooping of the face, inability to use the arm and leg, that's, uh, you need to call 911, um, seizures, and, you know, obvious broken bones, you fall on your, your foot's facing the other direction, you should definitely go to the ER or call 911. Um, but I, I would say, you, you know, if you have time to see your primary care doctor, you can make an appointment. Um, those are things that you, you probably should wait um, but if, if someone's very concerned or scared, I usually tell them, if you're scared, I'll be happy to see it. I've had two very positive recent experiences at the Wyndham Hospital Emergency Department. In April 2020, I was already in quarantine because I had some symptoms. I still have no idea if I had COVID or not. You couldn't test back then. But they were great when I went up there, and basically they let me go after an hour or two, after a couple of tests and so forth. And in 2015, the year that I got my stent, they, they told me before I got the actual procedure, if anything changes, you go to the ER right now. Well, something did change, and I went. And I'll tell you what, when a 68-year-old guy walks into the ED and he has chest pains, oh my gosh, do they work quickly. Three hours later, ambulance, Hartford Hospital, next day, Stanton, so it goes. But I I was really impressed how efficient and and really great that the people were up there. And just talk about that chest pains thing. Number one, if you've got them, don't wait. Go to the emergency department. And number two, what is the doctor perspective on people that come in with chest pains? Um, it, it can be very difficult. Uh, you know, we, we start with that EKG to see if it's, um, obviously a, a big heart attack and then we do blood work. Um, it's definitely a lot of shades of gray when it comes to chest pain, but we take it very seriously. We try to get an EKG done very rapidly, um, as well as the, the blood work. Um, 
but it is a very serious complaint in general. We know there's a lot of people with um, cardiac disease out there. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I think every ED in Hartford Healthcare and across the state is concerned about. I think Wyndham does a great job getting those EKGs done rapidly and pulling patients back quickly who have chest pain. I was looking at the Wyndham Hospital website yesterday, and it gives you the wait time for the emergency department. And then there's a line that says, save my spot, I'm on my way. You can actually click on that and fill it in. And I'm thinking to myself, if i got to go to the emergency room, am I going to mess around on the Internet? No, I'm going to go to the emergency room. That's how it goes. But tell me the reason why it's got the wait time. Because if I have an emergency, it doesn't matter to me if it's a 15-minute or an hour wait time, I'm still going to go. Um, well, I mean, I did hear from a patient the other day that they looked at that wait time when they were in another ED and decided to come to Wyndham. So I think sometimes they let people understand what the stress is going on in that department. Um, and it, it has brought other patients to our ED because they know that typically that number is very low. I think our median, when you look at every patient that comes to the ED, has been pretty stable at 10 minutes, around 10 minutes for for years now where the, the majority of people only wait 10 minutes to be kind of brought back and seen by a doctor. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that number is really there. Um, to just give you a, an idea of how busy the ED is, you can easily schedule one of those appointments. The idea of those is, you know, if, like, four people did that at the same time, they might space them out. Um, I think that, you know, if you put in some concerning information in there or if you, you have, like you said, chest pain or severe belly pain, you shouldn't schedule an appointment, but... Um, if it's something that you feel is urgent but not emergent, that's the, the point of that um, on my way. And it does put it on a tracker board so that the staff can see that there is someone who, you know, did that and they will be coming in soon. Do you work at Bacchus at all or are you primarily at Wyndham? Uh, mostly at Wyndham. I do work at a few other EDs in the state, but Wyndham is my uh, primary spot. And when people go to the emergency department, what factors into being discharged? When do you make the decision, okay, you can go home? Um, when we, if, if they're going to be discharged, we have to think that they are safe to go home. So usually their testing has returned. If there were, were, were any testing, um, usually you kind of follow up with a quick discussion with them and say, Hey, this is the plan. This is what we found. Um, and, and after that discussion is usually when you make the decision, because occasionally you'll go talk to someone and they'll say, well, I didn't tell you about X or I'm scared about this, or I don't feel safe going home. So um, after usually a final discussion with the patient or at least the nurse going over the discharge paperwork with the patient um, to make sure there's no further concerns. But as long as, you know, the evaluation and the data looks like the patient can go home and they feel comfortable to go home, is usually that's the, the end point of the visit. And lastly, Thomas, you'd spoken earlier about the recent Omicron spike in the emergency room. What are your thoughts on the vaccine and should people get vaccinated? Um Absolutely, I think people should get vaccinated. Um, you know, presently in Connecticut, if you're not vaccinated, you're in the minority. 91.5% of the state has had at least one dose. That's 3.2 million people. Um, and we're at 75.9% with the two doses. Um, you know, the, the, particularly getting boosted is extremely important right now. Um, the efficacy of two doses is is not great for infection prevention with Omicron, but, you know, you know, protection against hospitalization and death is still there. And particularly if you've had two doses and, you know, you need to be boosted and you've been far enough out for a booster, you should definitely do that because that definitely protects against infection um, and severe um, in the disease, hospitalization and death. And if you just look back in October before Omicron, um, someone who was boosted had a 
10 times less likely to be positive for COVID and 20 times less likely to die from COVID. So I really think it's important and, and it works. And, and even if you've had prior infection, getting vaccinated gives you more protection. So I, I think there's no excuse, and I think people should do it if they can. Dr. Gilmore, really interesting and important stuff. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. Yeah, thank you, Wayne. Dr. Thomas Gilmore from the Emergency Department at Wyndham Hospital on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.